Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Touchstone Pictures presents Tom Selleck, Steve Gutenberg, Ted Danson. Jack! Angela, oh, you look different. What happened? I'm dressed. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Three incredibly eligible men hoping to meet some incredibly perfect women. So many women <laughs> in so, so little so time. time. Now, at last, they're about to find that one girl who will sweep them off their feet. <laughs> That's a baby. It's a baby. Of course it's a baby. It's your baby. No. It's not my baby, it's Jack's baby. The child doesn't look anything like me. I have more hair. I want to see the way you three big guys handle this one. I had to go to three different places, buy four different kinds of formula, two different kinds of diapers, bottles, towels, nipples. You do realize she did a doodle. Doodle, doodle, yes, doodle. You haven't been able to work or to sleep. And there's been oh. all over this place for days. I build 50-story skyscrapers. I assemble cities of the future. I can certainly put together a diaper. Will somebody please tell me what the hell is going on around here? Figure it out for yourself. Are they always this strange? Yes, since they got involved with another woman. Touchstone Pictures presents three normally intelligent men and one little girl. So, uh, what do you want to do? They're about to discover the only thing worse than raising her... Oh, no, no, please, not on the silk sheets! ...is losing her. We should be her family. And let me tell you, the first time you get to work, Daddy, I don't care who you are, your heart just melts. Can you drive a little faster, please? Touchstone Pictures presents a comedy about three dedicated bachelors and the one woman in the world they couldn't live without. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. I hate to leave you, but I really must say good night, sweetheart. Good night. Three men and a baby. I think she did a doodle. Your turn to change her. I'll give you $1,000 if you'll do it. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Three Men and a Baby from 1987. The studio Touchstone Pictures release date November 25th, 1987. The running time, 102 minutes, and the rating was PG. The budget, $11 million, and the box office took in a whopping $167 million, making it, believe it or not, the top-ranked movie of 1987. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 75% fresh from 36 reviews. Their critic consensus is, the American remake of the popular French comedy mostly works a charm under the combined talents of the three leads, who play nicely against type, although forced plot elements and sentimentality at times dampen the fun. Roger Ebert at the time gave it 3 out of 4 stars. Here's his review. Three Men and a Baby begins with too many characters and too much plot. And 15 minutes into the film, I was growing restless. It spends a lot of time describing the lifestyles of three bachelors. The movie never steps wrong as long as it focuses on the developing love between the two big men and the tiny baby. At first, they're baffled by this little bundle that only eats, sleeps, cries, and makes poo-poo. Lots and lots of poo-poo. The book says to feed the baby every two hours, Selleck complains. But do you count from when you start nor when you finish? It takes me two hours to get her to eat, and by the time she's done, it's time to start again, so that I'm feeding her all of the time. 
Those scenes are the heart of the movie. Unfortunately, there is also a completely unnecessary subplot to distract from the good stuff. Three Men and a Baby is a faithful reworking of a French film from a few years ago, in which the basic plot device was that two packages were left with the bachelors on the same day. Learning that an American remake of the French movie was being planned, I assumed that the drug angle would be the, the thing written out of the script. To begin with, it's completely unnecessary. The fact that the baby is left on the doorstep is all the story needs to get underway. And the central story is so funny and heartwarming that drugs are a downer. But no, Leonard Nimoy and his writers, James Orr and Jim Krukashank, have remade the entire French movie, drugs and all, leading to a badly staged and distracting confrontation between the heroes and the dealers at a construction site. Why bother with all the exhausted apparatus of crime and violence, recycled out of TV crime shows, when the story of the men and the baby is so compelling? Luckily, there's enough of the domestic comedy to make the movie work despite its crasser instincts. One of the big surprises in the movie is Selleck's wonderful performance as the Bachelor Architect. After playing action heroes on TV and in the movies, he now reveals himself to be a light comedian in the Cary Grant tradition, a big, handsome guy with tenderness and vulnerability. When he looks at baby Mary with love in his eyes, you can see it there, and it doesn't feel like acting. Because of Selleck and his co-stars, including the twin baby girls Lisa and Michelle Blair, the movie becomes a heartwarming entertainment. There are, however, a couple of glitches at the end, and I'm not going to spoil that, so that's going to be the end of Ebert's review. Look, Three Men and a Baby sounds like the beginning of a bad joke, as goofy as that title is. Again, the movie was just a huge success. I, I It spawned a sequel a few years later. I'm still shocked that it was the number one film in 1987. But look, I loved the movie when it first came out. I was about 10 years old, I think. And I think it still holds up today mostly because of the main stars. And as Ebert mentioned, Selleck is really the true standout star here. And his comparison to Cary Grant is, is spot on, I think. All right, let's get into the main cast. Of course, Tom Selleck plays Peter. Selleck has always been one of my favorite actors. He has the uncanny ability of being charming and tough at the same time, much like James Garner. Selleck's career began in the early 1970s with small roles on TV shows and TV movies, and he also appeared in a few episodes of The Rockford Files, of course, which had James Garner. But as everyone knows, his big break was the TV show Magnum P.I. beginning in 1980, where he became just a superstar, and that lasted eight years. Film-wise, Selleck began to get better film roles in the 1980s, where he'd do double duty with the shooting of Magnum P.I. So prior to Three Men and a Baby, his films included High Road to China, which is kind of like an Indiana Jones movie, Lassiter, and what many KISS fans know because Gene Simmons is in it, Runaway. Steve Gutenberg plays Michael. Now, Gutenberg's career began in the late 70s with small film roles, but me, like most people, discovered him as Mahoney in the hilarious Police Academy series starting in 1984. However, he was in the dramedy Diner in 1982 with Mickey Rourke and Kevin Bacon and Daniel Stern. In addition to the four Police Academy movies, Gutenberg was also the lead in a very popular movie called Cocoon and Short Circuit, both in 1986, prior to Three Men and a Baby. Ted Danson plays Jack. Now, Danson's career was very similar to Selleck in the sense that they both were very incredibly popular initially because of their TV career. For Danson, of course, it was playing Sam Malone on the TV show Cheers. He didn't appear in many great films with the exception of The Onion Field in 1979 and Body Heat in 1981. That was prior to Cheers. He also appeared in an episode of Magnum P.I., if you didn't know. 
Both Tansen and Selleck actually continue to have successful TV careers today. Selleck with Blue Bloods and the Jesse Stone TV films, and Danson with Becker and The Good Place. The director, Leonard Nimoy. Of course, when you think of Nimoy, you think of his iconic character from the Star Wars franchise as Spock. Directing-wise, his first two films were Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, and Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Three Men and a Baby would by far be his most successful film. Okay, let's get into the film. So, the opening credits begin with the song Bad Boy from Miami Sound Machine. Of course, Gloria Estefan's uh, first band. And we see our three main stars, Michael, Steve Gutenberg, who is a cartoonist and artist, Jack, Ted Danson, who is an actor, and Peter, Tom Selleck, who is an architect. And they're all decorating their New York City bachelor pad. All three men have plenty of women coming and going from the apartment, though Jack is the biggest playboy of them all. It's a very fun opening montage. That night, the guys throw a huge party for Peter's birthday. Peter sort of has a girlfriend named Rebecca, played by Margaret Collin, who I always used to confuse with Elizabeth Perkins because they look very similar. In any case, Peter and Rebecca still see other people. So while Peter and Jack mingle and flirt at the party, Michael is trying to cheer up a woman and possibly score with her. But of the three, Michael has the least amount of luck with the ladies, as we find out. How's it going, baby? Name's Johnny. Give me five. Oh, I mean, give me three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you draw Johnny cool. Coolest cat in the world, right? No one cooler, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. Makes me so happy. What's wrong? This is David. The guy you broke up with? The good looking one. Incredibly good looking. He used to treat me Johnny cool every morning over breakfast. You know how to get over a lover? Hmm? Dance with a stranger. Oh, David's an incredible dancer. He's done it for three years with a Joffrey Ballet. Three years? Joffrey Ballet? I think you guys are going to get back together. You think that I could call him up and invite him to the party? Back to the party, in a bit of foreshadowing, one of Jack's friends, who is a TV director for commercials, asks for a favor in the means of a package that is going to be delivered to the guy's apartment. I think you can guess where this one is headed. Jack is blissfully ignorant of what might be in this package. Plus, Jack will be flying to Turkey for a movie shoot the next day for about 10 weeks. The man is one giant gland. He left our racer, he's hey. I think you took my moves. That's our boy. Thanks, Pete. See you around. Yeah. Hi, it's me, Jack. Uh, I'm at the airport just about to board the plane, but I forgot to tell you something. There's a package going to be delivered today. Uh, some guys will pick it up Thursday before noon. Just put it aside. Don't worry about it. And, oh, wait a minute. It's, uh, it's a very delicate matter, so don't, don't say anything to anybody, okay? I'll bring you guys something back from Turkey if you're good. Maybe a drumstick or something. <laughs> See you later. Bye-bye. Peter goes out for a run, and when he returns, he finds a package of sorts in the front of the apartment door. It's a baby in a carriage. Peter calls for Michael, and Michael finds a note in the carriage which says, Dear Jack, here's our baby. And that's as far as Michael gets before the noise of the crumpled paper wakes the baby up. Looks like Jack's womanizing finally caught up with him. The baby's name is Mary, and the mother's name is Sylvia. 
Peter thinks that the baby is the quote-unquote package, though it seems weird Jack would be so nonchalant about this so-called baby package. Mary begins to cry, and neither Peter nor Michael know what to do or what to feed her. Peter decides to go to the store to get some baby food and instructs Michael to quote-unquote entertain Mary. So while Michael does his best to get Mary to stop crying, Peter is just overwhelmed with the amount of baby food choices at the store. He tries to get help from the clerk, who is hilariously too helpful, as she explains which food includes good and bad ingredients. So Peter just grabs everything possible just to be sure. Back at the apartment, Michael finally decides to pick up Mary, though he holds her like a smelly shirt. <laughs> Eventually, the building manager, at least I think she is, named Mrs. Hathaway, knocks on the door to give the real package that was supposed to be for Jack's friend. Michael can't be bothered, but the woman actually knows how to hold a baby. To add to the fun, Mary just did a quote-unquote doodle, which means diaper changing time, which is just in time for Peter to arrive with the baby items. Now, the diaper changing scene always cracked me up, and it actually still does. Give me the cup. Oh. This. Oh, Michael, just give me a little cotton. I don't need a package. I just need oh, some cotton. Oh, no, wait. Get the wipeies. Give me the, the, you know, the cotton wipeies. Oh, this is disgusting. It's all over. And it's, it's, it's sticky. and We're going to need some kind of cleaning fluid to get it off. How about after shave? Oh, come on, Michael. Just give me one of the diapers. All right, good. Now, these tape things go in the front and the back. Uh, how am I supposed to know? Okay. There. Whoa! These diapers are way too big. What size did you get? They're ultra-absorbent. The more absorbent, the better, if you ask me. Will you hold her for a minute? The kid's going crazy. I, I don't want to. Come on, Michael. Hey, don't pull that so hard. It's going to rip. I'm not going to rip it. Yes, you are. All right, well, okay, uh, get me another diaper. I'll use the tape. i use the tape from the diaper, I'll tape it up. I'm an architect, for Christ's sakes. I build 50-story skyscrapers. I assemble cities of the future. I can certainly put together a goddamn diaper. Take it easy, kid. All right? There. There, see? It's working. Piece of cake. There. Yeah. Nice job, Pete. insect was just waiting for that diaper to fall off. I think we're in trouble. I'm gonna kill Jack. I'm gonna kill him.
need some help. Jack said that this is a delicate situation that we shouldn't tell anybody. Can you believe him? Putting us through hell to save his precious reputation. I'm not doing it anymore. <clears throat> oh, it's... The guys hilariously tried to avoid any sort of noise in order not to wake up Mary and thus cause her to start crying. But in the meantime, Peter and Michael are just exhausted, but they still have to work. Peter gets the bright idea that maybe Rebecca could help him out, but that doesn't go as planned. Books about babies? I can't figure it out. For instance, it says here, look, feed every two hours. Well, it takes me two hours to get her to eat anything, so does it mean... Feed her every two hours from when I start yeah. or every two hours from when I finish because I've been feeding her every two hours from when I start and I'm feeding her all the time. Mm. So which is it? Oh. Why are you asking me? Because you're a woman. Yeah, that doesn't mean I automatically know what to do with babies. Rebecca, no, pl please uh, stay with me and, and help me take care of her. You want me to take care of her? Yes. Now? No, when she graduates from college, yes, now. I can't do that, Peter. Baby take very, very much work, huh? <laughs> yeah. Thank you for telling me that, Jan. I didn't know that. What is he, an idiot savant? Rebecca, we, we be late. Hey, uh, oh, oh, Rebecca. No, no. Rebecca, please. Stay with me. I have got a date. Oh? Oh, excuse me for cramping your romantic style. Rebecca, we be late, huh? You Just... can't be serious about this guy. Oh, come on, Peter. You go out with other people, and so do I. We agreed to that. You can go out with the whole damn string section for all I care. That's not the issue right now. I need you here. Oh, I can't be here now. Oh, she doodled. Doodled? <laughs> yes, doodled. What's the matter? Don't babies doodle in Hungary? We're leaving. Be Rebecca. No, wait. Come on, Rebecca, please. Don't go. Peter, you're a very big boy. You're very capable. And you're going to get through this just fine. I hate the cello. <laughs> to add to the confusion, a few days later, two men arrive for the package sent from Jack's friend. And Peter and Michael believe it's Mary. In reality, it's the little package that Mrs. Hathaway dropped off the day Mary arrived on their doorstep. Now, it's obvious to everyone watching, except for Peter and Michael, that the two guys want the package of drugs. I think even I realized this when I first saw the movie when I was 10, but that's the fun of it. Peter and Michael hand over Mary and her carriage for, to the two men. However, Peter thinks something's off, and while he's sitting on the couch, he finds the little package. Peter rushes downstairs to get Mary back from the two men. He eventually trips in the lobby, and the package bursts open, and a few packets fly out. Turns out it's heroin. In any case, Peter rescues Mary before the guys leave and doesn't give the guys the drugs either. Unbeknownst to Peter, a detective, Phil Bosco, was following the two men who wanted the drugs. The detective arrives at the apartment and looks around a bit. In the meantime, Michael hides the drugs in the diaper by slicing the lining open and putting the drugs inside. This leads to a funny scene where the detective holds Mary, not realizing that her diaper is full of drugs. 
The detective informs Peter that Jack's TV commercial producer friend is a drug smuggler on the side. In another merry mix-up, Jack just happens to call the house and the answering machine picks up. And now these were the days where if you picked up the phone while the answering machine was going, the speaker would would play the kind of the two-way call. So the detective hears the whole conversation, which includes Jack innocently saying how cheap everything is in Turkey and he'll smuggle the stuff he buys into the U.S. if necessary. Of course, he means trinkets, not drugs, but of course the detective thinks it's heroin. Now, I think it's funny that most people only remember the guys with the baby, and the whole drug angle is actually a vital part of the film. As Ebert kind of alluded to in his review, I'm not sure the drug part of the plot was even necessary for the film to work. But in many ways, this was just a product of the 80s filmmaking. Both Peter and Michael have to go to their jobs, and they ask Mrs. Hathaway to babysit Mary. Now, unbeknownst to them, Peter and Michael are both being tailed by not only the undercover detectives, but also the two drug smugglers. And by the way, there's a great cameo from a then-unknown comic actor. That's Colin Quinn, who plays a street vendor. When Peter arrives back to the apartment, Mrs. Hathaway is tied up and the place has been ransacked. Peter fears Mary has been kidnapped and races around the house looking for her, but eventually finds her unharmed. And in the process, he hilariously forgets to untie Mrs. Hathaway. Both Peter and Michael are becoming very attached to Mary, Peter being the most attached. You're crashing into the ropes. Smith. His left eye swollen, and the cut above his right eye, now much more bloody, countered with a barrage of vicious body blow. What are you reading her? It doesn't matter what I read. It's the tone you use. She doesn't understand the words anyway. Now, where were we? The champ began the fifth round. That night, Peter is awakened by what he believes is one of the drug dealers trying to break into the apartment. However, it's just Jack, who arrived home early after his part got cut. Peter and Michael explain the whole ordeal to Jack's astonishment. Jack reads the note that came with Mary, and he remembers the mother Sylvia from when he was in a play called Taming of the Shrew. In his case, it should have been Taming of the Screw. Now, Jack thinks he can easily handle taking care of a baby and goes through the same frenetic pace that Peter and Michael went through. Both guys take great delight and letting Jack go crazy, and they offer no assistance, because he deserves it. In a panic, Jack calls his mother to help him, and she's played by the great Celeste Holm. This is also the infamous scene that many believe shows a ghost boy in a mirror. Now, before we delve into that rumor, here's the scene with Jack's mom. Just like you. You know, you boys live like pigs. No, mom. Look, look, there. Isn't she beautiful? There. She is. Are you kidding me? I'm going to pick you right up. Yes, I'm going to pick you right up. Oh, I'm in awe. I mean, look at you. You, you pick oh. her up like a pro. Oh. I pick her up like a grandmother. That's <laughs> called experience. Darling, I see you. Oh, she's so lovely. What's her name? Mary. Mary. Oh, <laughs> <Well>, Mary. <laughs> look at the way she's looking at me. <laughs> For a moment there, I had her laughing. Yeah, just like me, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Don't ruin this for me, Jack. Oh, oh she adores you. So while Jack's mom loves holding her new granddaughter, she decides that it's best for Jack to handle this himself, as he's never been responsible for anything his entire life. All right, regarding the ghost boy tale, well, let's let Tom Selleck explain it from his 2017 appearance on The Jimmy Fallon Show. Every time you come on, I always like to talk about uh, this this thing that I, I do love and we all love. What thing? One of my favorite movies ever, Three Men oh. and a Baby. And this is... 
We're, we're coming up to, what, 30th, 30th anniversary, 30th I guess. anniversary, one of my favorite movies. I love it. I love Steve Gutenberg. I love Ted Danson. Yeah. You uh, know, that, that's real pee on me. <laughs> Is it no, really? No, Annie Leibovitz took the picture, and, you know, she's great. And, oh, yeah? And we're taking this picture for the poster, and the baby pees all over and she says, don't change, don't change. And she just keeps taking pictures. So it's actually, for once in my life, a genuine expression. <laughs> the rest is just, I'm making faces. Uh, uh, I, I do want to uh, talk about the, do you remember there was a ghost in your movie? Uh, that, well, here's the story. I mean, the, 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 it was, the this was a big deal for video sales and all, and maybe Disney made it up, because the story was that, that this kid died in the house where we shot the movie. Oh, yeah. This little boy. Yeah. Well, we shot on a soundstage. They built the, the set and all. And, and <laughs> no, you can't. You know, no, you have to go along with the story. Well, look, no, I we, saw it. It looks really it. spooky. Well, if you can I, find a ghost boy, you let me know if I'm, maybe I'm crazy, but is there a ghost somewhere in the... It's, it, it I mean, kinda... what is that guy doing? <laughs> if you pause the movie, he's in the window. Yeah. We yeah. didn't doctor that. No, no, I, I saw it and it looks a little spooky, but I, I don't. The story is ridiculous, you know? We <laughs> because, built, it's a sound, the ghost of the soundstage. It's kind of like. Well, then you, you, uh, we got to actually, because we talked to the Disney people and so, because what was the deal with this? Turns out this was from a deleted scene. Or something like that were Ted. No, no, really? Ted, yeah, Ted. Dan well, no, this scene is this. No, no, this scene was in there, but this is from a deleted scene where Ted well, Danson's character. Well, he played a vain actor. I don't know where they got that concept, but he played a vain <laughs> actor who had posters yeah. of himself all over the room, and I thought it was always like a, a poster, a full-size poster that had been knocked over. Yeah, that it, was my theory. It actually, is it is a cardboard cutout of Ted Danson? <laughs> no, it's not. Wait a minute, let me see the other one. No, so that's, I believe that's a ghost. <laughs> you think it's Ghost Boy? I think it is Ghost Boy. <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna call Ted and Steve because I think we participate in the video sales. It's a ghost. <laughs> Smart man. Smart man move right there. Any chance of uh, maybe... They talked about it. Three, uh, I three. mean, I'm not just making this up, <laughs> like a lot of things I do. Um, um, they came to me, and they, I guess they came to uh, Robert Court, the producer, and they had an idea for, and this is a good idea from Disney. Yeah. Uh, they, they said that um, they had a concept that it would be like Father of the Bride, yeah. like Three Men and a Bride. Yeah. And I thought it was a great idea. I would go see that... Uh, ten times tomorrow. Well, I really would. Nobody's called, nobody's written. They're going to do it right now. Know. You guys, come on. Three, three, three men and a bride. I'm in. Get Ghost Boy in there. <laughs> I, I Ghost know. Boy, I you can write that have, in there. I think it would be expected now to have some supernatural <laughs> yeah. element. Sorry, it was no ghost. It was really just a cardboard cutout of Ted Danson, which was part of the film because his character was an actor. Peter and Michael go on a double date to the theater, but are too worried about Mary and Jack to have fun. Peter calls Jack during the intermission, but Jack's in the shower with Mary and doesn't answer. Peter and Michael arrive home early in a panic, and they're shocked to see Jack doing a good job taking care of Mary. Alright, there's about 30 minutes left, so how will the guys get out of the mix-up with the drug dealers, the detectives, and do they keep Mary? Of course, it's all answered, and since it's a fun comedy, you can likely guess the outcome. 
but the ending isn't as obvious as you might think. Plus, there's a bit of suspense with the drug dealers, but again, it's very 80s and very Touchstone Films-esque. But I will leave you with this memorable scene as the trio sing Mary a goodnight song. Goodnight, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. Goodnight, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. I hate to leave you, but I really must say goodnight, sweetheart. Goodnight. Well, it's three o'clock in the morning. Baby, I just can't treat you right. Well, I hate to leave you, baby. I don't mean maybe, because I love you so. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. I hate to leave you, but I really must say, good night, sweetheart, good night. As fun as the movie is, the film only works because of the three actors and their chemistry together, because they were arguably the three of the biggest film and TV stars of the 1980s. If three other actors were in this film, I don't think it would have been the smash hit that it was. Alright, some fun facts. As mentioned prior, this was a remake of the 1985 French film called Three Men and a Cradle. Director Leonard Nimoy looked at the videotape footage of about 200 sets of twin girls for the part of Mary, before deciding on Lisa and Michelle Blair for the part. Four sets of twins were seen in person before the final choice was made. During the two-week rehearsal period before the filming began, then-bachelors Tom Selleck and Steve Gutenberg took the longtime Mary Ted Danson out on the town with them, visiting a few Toronto nightclubs and bars and restaurants to kind of rekindle the feeling of bachelorhood when they had to project in the film. The three caused a lot of excitement among the public whenever they went out to party, as you can imagine. The Pampers Company paid $50,000 for their branded diapers to be used in the film. Leonard Nimoy had some arguments and differences on set with the lead actors. Now, according to Steve Gutenberg, Selleck and Danson were used to being the bosses on their own television shows, but soon learned that the real boss in charge was Nimoy. And Gutenberg said Leonard was a good director, and being an actor, he knew the problems actors faced, although sometimes I think he forgot. Toward the end of the filming, the babies that played Mary were less than tranced by the actors around her and became enticed by the microphone. She would start to follow it with her gaze and not look at the actors, so Leonard Nimoy and the other crew members had to start hiding the microphone and disguising it from the baby's view. When it was announced that 100 dress extras would be hired for the party scene in the beginning, 5,000 women showed up, thinking they would at least get to see Selleck in person, even if they didn't get the job. The 4,900 who were not chosen did not get to see Selleck or any of the other film stars, because they were all working on another set. The 100 extras got to party with Selleck for four days. The party scene took four days to shoot. For the role of Michael, that of course was Steve Gutenberg, these are the actors that were considered. Tom Hanks, Michael Keaton, John Travolta, and Bruce Willis. For Jack, Ted Danson, you had Michael J. Fox audition, Tony Danza, Jeff Daniels, Danny Glover, John Hurd, Kevin Kline, Gary Oldman, Bill Pullman, and Dennis Quaid. And for the role of Peter, of course Tom Selleck, they were considering Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, Bill Murray, Jack Nicholson, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> they were all considering Paul Hogan actually turned down the role. Again, I think they had the perfect combination of the three. Now, in the original screenplay, Jack was an airline pilot. 
The overall film was originally intended for adults, but there was and there was much more cursing, and there was a big animosity between the Peter and Michael characters. Also, when Peter returns with the formula, originally Michael went out to Safeway to get the diapers, which Peter forgot. All right, we have a special guest who is often on Damn Good Movie Memories, and that's Eric Sinzak, who gets to talk about Three Men and a Baby. And, of course, we have a good time doing that. And I will be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. All right, we're back with Eric Sinzak, always a frequent guest, and we always have a good time chatting. Welcome back, Eric. Well, thanks for having me back on, Brian. No problem. So you're a parent. Um, you weren't a parent when this first came out. My guess is you were, you were a kid. So, um, it <laughs> yeah. didn't matter. I think people of all ages just love this movie. And of course we're talking about three men and a baby. Um, and, and part of it was you had three of the kind of the biggest, well, not the biggest, but very well-known actors at the time with, uh, you know, Tom Selleck, Ted Danson and Steve Gutenberg, two of them best known for TV appearances, which was which is kind of fascinating. Um, so was this one that was just like, hey, it's it, this 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 is a family movie. It makes everyone happy. Or how did you discover it? Well, actually, I watched this begrudgingly back really? when I first watched it years ago because I had a girlfriend who really loved this movie. Mm-hmm. And she watched it like several times. So mm-hmm. back when I was a teenager, so right. I was I was like, okay, we'll watch this again. So, <laughs> <laughs> but then eventually, I you know I I kind of got to like it because it's a cute movie and it's funny and there's you know it's enjoyable and um, you know honestly it has really great uh, acting in it and the story is it's well written and. You know, they they really it it's just a, a really enjoyable film, and and I I like it a lot. And it's directed by Nimoy, mm-hmm. and I I think that for his you know creativity and his direction, and it, I think it, it it just was a wonderful film the way they did it. It what I didn't realize until recently is that it's actually a remake of a French film. Right, and I looked at and I didn't know that either until you know not that long ago. I looked it up and and I was like, wow, that that's pretty interesting. And I actually I was told wrong mm-hmm. for years. I thought it was a remake of a cowboy movie. Oh, really? <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Somebody, somebody, I don't know who it was. I think my mom told me. She goes, oh yeah, that's a remake of an old cowboy film. And I was like, oh, oh okay. Well, maybe maybe the in a form of it is, you know, because a lot of times, you know, you have certain plots that you could just kind of change up and put them in different environments. So that maybe isn't as false as 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 you might think. I yeah. And I, I looked and tried to see if there was some cowboy film that had, you know, three cowboys taking care of a little baby or something sure. like that. But I couldn't find anything. But it's hmm. possible there was a cowboy film from the 50s or something like that that had that storyline in there somewhere but i couldn't find it but did you know like you said it's maybe there somewhere well yeah and how many how many times have we seen you know the the baby on the doorstep and and various you know movies so it's nothing super earth shattering no not at all (laughs) well what's interesting i'm glad you brought up nimoy you know at at this point the only time he had directed were, were a few tv shows and then the two movies three and four and so this was totally different for him so which i found kind of interesting yeah and he I, I, you know, I, I was actually very surprised at that. And I think it was really cool that he stepped out away completely from science fiction and, you know, went completely for a drama comedy film and, you know, and had a, a great sense of, you know, I don't want to do anything 
you know, that's, that's not in my comfort zone with all of what I've done before, but I want to, you know, do something that's very rounded out for a human feeling, you know, and working on Star Trek for years, I think it gave him an, an idea about what works with, you know, humanity and human tones, uh, you know, so the, he's, you know, he's very, he was very gifted individual with uh, writing and with storyline. So I mm-hmm. think it, it led it, led him right into the right tone for this film. Sure. Okay. So of the main three, who's your favorite? Uh, you know, I like Steve Gutenberg the best out of really? all of them. Yeah, uh, I identify with him the best because I'm an artist. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, his true. character, you know, Michael's character was to me the most uh, lovable out of all of them. I mean, I, I think they were all great. Uh, I, I actually hated Ted Danson's character in the film. And you're uh, supposed to kind of. You're supposed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Tom Selleck's character, Peter, but yeah. you know, I I like Michael the best because you know he's he's always sympathetic to to the you know to other people he's always i like it what what uh tom Selleck's character says to him he says why do you always wind up with a girl in your room and then turn into her big brother yeah yep so because yep. that happened to me a number of times i would wind up trying to date a girl and then i wind up getting friend zoned as mm-hmm. they say yep so it happened to me all the time in high school and uh so i i was i was a michael very much so <laughs> but that's okay because eventually you find the right one and uh, and all the good qualities that you have that that, that the, the person that you finally click with appreciates that absolutely yeah my wife kim she's she was the right one and she's takes care of me that's <laughs> right that's right well the thing about tom Selleck is he was always he was the tough cool guy and he was just like magnum you know and then before that it was like you know um um james Gardner in the rockford files you know it's that that Super cool guy, but you didn't want to mess with him. And then that's how Tom Selleck is. Yeah. Yeah. And and he really let his guard down for the film. Uh, yeah. And I thought it was great. Uh, the softer side of him in this. And, you know, <laughs> the the neat thing I thought was, and you really see the change in his character in this, was when the break-in happens mm-hmm. in the film. And, you know, the <laughs> the lady who was watching the kid was tied up. <laughs> Yes. The lady was watching Mary was tied up and he runs through the house and, you know, these guys value their space. They value, I'm not going to say they're materialistic, but you know, single guys who've attained what they've attained are, are materialistic. They, they value their stuff. They value their, their property. They value their, their lively, their, their, their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but their their freedom, yeah, their freedom. yeah. Yeah. But he changes instantly right then when he passes through all that and all that sort of changes in him when he immediately knows that that the baby is in trouble mm-hmm. and he goes right to find her he ignores everything else in the house he doesn't care about any everything else suddenly her life her value her her, her safety is the most important thing that's so, right that's right so and it was tell. And it's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up too, because you know, with his longtime girlfriend Rebecca, he he's it's, it, they have a weird relationship. It's almost like kind of an open relationship. And then once the baby comes, he he kind of just almost expects her, like almost in a stereotypical way, like, well, you can help me with this, right? You're a woman, mm-hmm. you know how to do this. And she's like, mm-hmm. no, I don't know how to do this. And you know, you're gonna have to figure this out. You're gonna have to be a big boy and, and figure this out. Right. Yeah. There's like for some reason there's this. 
idea that women are instinctively n- know how to be mothers. Right. And men had this, you know, they, they, these guys have this idea that women can just pick up a baby and know everything to do with it all at once. But yeah, you know, that's not really how that works. So, right. And, and that's what was fun about it. Cause they all kind of grew, including, um, you know, Jack Ted Danson's character as well. Yeah. He, he the first night he went there when they're playing pool and he's in there dying, you know, not knowing what to do with it, not knowing how to change his baby, not knowing how to do anything. And she's crying and she won't stop crying. And like, how much longer should we give him? <laughs> yeah. Maybe 30 more minutes. Are yeah. you sure? Are you sure? Yeah. So I, I like that scene. And, and yeah, so it's just giving him an idea of that, you know, that this is how things really are now. But you, you do see him change rather quickly. Sure. You know, and one of the criticisms about the movie, and it wasn't that big of a deal to movie viewers because this was a huge movie, uh, was the plot seemed kind of shoehorned in, and we don't necessarily have to give it away, but um, it it seemed like most people just cared about the guys with the baby and you know them going through that, but there was kind of almost that um, forced. You know, the the drug plot and the, you know, yeah. the mobsters and everything. How did you feel about that? And do you, would you have changed that or are you fine with with how it you know played out? You had to write a little bit of a distraction mm-hmm. because if it was just uh, you can't you couldn't have it with just them taking care of the baby the whole time because it would get completely monotonous. I mean, everybody just does you know if, if if it was just that people be like well i'm just watching me at home right. uh, <laughs> <True. laughs> i don't want to go to a movie and just watch me at home sure uh so there has to be some something defining other than you know that because these guys are bachelors that live in new york city i mean there's got to right. be something and and one of them is a, is a movie star right. so he's got something outside of everybody what it, what we all do so i i can see where the writing was smart enough to take advantage of that and and give us a little bit of a hook to go to go the extra step further and to put a little bit of intrigue now not not too much to where it's it's ridiculous but just enough to say okay this is an odd thing that happened to these guys when this right. when this was going on and and it's something interesting um but not crazy you know, mm-hmm. and, and I like the fact that they took advantage of their wits to to go find, uh, you know, to figure out a way to get the cop to come back and say, hey, these are this is the bad guys. They're over here. You know, we're taking this is our baby. We're safe. You know, the drugs are up there, blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, that that's kind of neat. I like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, did you did you see the sequel? Three Minute a Little Lady? Yeah, I yeah. did. It's been a long time, and I only saw it once. So I, I remember it takes place overseas. They go overseas. Right, so, right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I won't go into that then. <laughs> so, but at least it wasn't released 20 years later, so it was still in the time frame. No, it was still, yeah, it was still around the same time. So, yeah. Which was, I mean, this was such a huge hit that you almost, you had to figure they were going to do a sequel. And actually, there's still talks of maybe doing it now, now that, you know, Mary has grown up. Um you know, they would be uh, grandparents. And so there's still talks if they could get them all together, if they could do that. That, that might be interesting. I don't know. I, I think it would be, I think it would be cute. I think yeah. if they went back and revisited the storyline, it would give them a chance, give people a chance to look at the original and, you know, even the sequel. And I think maybe, a, you know, it's, uh, it stands up. The story does. Uh, you can watch this now and enjoy it just as much as when it first came out. Um, there's nothing, there's nothing campy about it. There's nothing stupid about it. It's a it's a fun movie and it's very sweet. 
it's a great it's a great date film. It's a great you know family film. It's not uh, it's not sad. It's not painful. It's not scary. You know, it's it's an enjoyable film. So I, I think it's a good movie. Definitely, and uh, I think it definitely helps that you had real movie stars at the time because really those all those all those three guys were were bona fide stars. Uh, also on on television, and, and frankly, today the, the the lack of stars is is kind of uh, interesting, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a million faces on TV nowadays, but nobody is a standout. It's very hard to find a standout star. People you people you say, oh my gosh, that person. You know, if you if you went into a, a restaurant now with fifty people mm-hmm. that are on TV that, that you see on that that you could turn on the TV and scroll past fifty people that are on TV. If you went to a restaurant with those same fifty people, you wouldn't know who the hell they were. No. Not at all. Not at all. But you would still know who Tom Selleck is and Ted Dance and, and, and sure. Gutenberg as well, you know? Yeah. Well, look, Tom Selleck's still been on a, a very successful show with Blue Bloods and uh and Ted Danson has been on multiple shows even after the you know the eighties between Becker and uh he was on oh, what was the, the one he's with uh, Kristen Bell uh he was on for a while. But yeah, he's still very oh, yeah, relevant yeah, today. I know yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. The good place. Yeah, the good place. Yeah. I couldn't think of the name of it either. <laughs> But yeah, I know what you mean. He's like, he, he continues to get work and it's like, you know, how do you continue to get work when you've been on TV that long by doing good work before and by being, you know, consistently a good actor and consistently, uh, you know, on point with your work before. So it's like, you know, they, they, these guys have are stars, but how do you become a star by being a great actor, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, they were, they've, they've always been that way. So I don't know. And, and, it's it's hard nowadays to find somebody who stands out in the crowd. I mean, it's it's really wild. It is. It really is. And, and as much as I love the superhero movies, uh, they're kind of interchangeable. You know, you you have your your Robert Downey Juniors, um, but really that you know everyone else is kind of like, eh. You know, anyone could kind of play those roles. You know, in a lot of ways, yeah. I mean, there are, there are great there are great actors in a lot of these roles, but. You're right. If you you can almost cast several people to play, you know, different different people. And I mean, you you've got you got Chris Evans who's playing, you know, Captain Steve Rogers and uh, Captain America. Now now he's imprinted himself on that role, and I'm thinking, okay, you're you're that that's a guy I think of. But you're right, he's a, he's a standout in that role. But as far as the other, you know, thirty roles that are supporting that role, I don't know who the you know. I mean, I know who they are, but it's like you're interchanging a lot of these, you know, smaller characters. It's like, I, I couldn't know who they were or sure. I know who they are, but I, if you changed them out, I wouldn't care. Right. And I would say that the biggest of them all, and it's, it's almost a small character is Samuel L. Jackson playing Nick Fury. And, uh, because he was already, uh, you know, kind of a well-known name and commodity at that point. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But okay. So how often do you go back to this film? And obviously you like it more than when, you were first dragged to see it when you were a teenager. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think, uh, I don't watch it often. I I've watched it rarely, but you know, it does, it, it now means a lot more to me being a parent. Sure. Um, I have to say that it, uh, those scenes with them taking care of Mary, uh, mean a lot more to me now that I'm a dad. And, uh, I see myself a lot in this film, uh, the struggles they have, and I remember a lot of the things and, and you know, what's funny is like when you're a single guy watching this movie, <laughs> it doesn't have really the impact on you. It does when you're a dad. So, 
Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a sap. I get it. I get a little <laughs> weepy at times, and I sit there and look and go, "Oh my god, I can't believe it." Yeah, so, but yeah, it it, it is a great film, and, and it it will have much more of an impact on you if you're a dad. So as you I get, have to say, that. yeah, and as you get older, yeah, yeah. Well, as Absolutely. always, thank you so much, Eric. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you, Brian, for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.